Haymaker Coffee Company was established in 2021 to create the best coffee to fuel the underdogs who perseveres, who hustles, and have the give-it-all mentality to achieve their American dream. Haymaker Coffee, only roast, top quality, specialty-grade coffee beans resulting in brews that satisfies those who demand every drop from their coffee and day. If you work hard, run hard, fight hard, and play hard, we have your coffee right here. And we're back. Stripe Show Podcast on a Thursday. I am Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. It's an instruction Thursday. And I'm in here early. And I've got these. It's kind of been one of those days already here this morning. You know, the wife's out of town and, you know, I got to get the kids up and out the door and into school. And, 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 you know, I got up early and I got way out ahead of things. I mean, way out ahead of things. Got the dog in the leash. Uh, you know, Maggie walks with this, take the kids down to the bus stop. And we're getting ready to walk out the door three, four minutes before the bus arrives. And I realize I haven't done anything with the backpacks yet. <laughs> Panic mode. Get the backpacks, water bottles, snacks, et cetera, et cetera. We barely made the bus. So we're kind of scrambling to get here. Everything's set up. and. And of course, the computer is working a little weird and this light's hitting me a little different today. So anyway, we're just going to go with it. All right. So for those of you on audio, I might look a little different today. Or excuse me, those of you on video. Exactly. That's my point. Those of you on video, I might look a little different today. And uh, those of you listening on audio, well, I probably sound different too. Who knows? But we're going to roll with it. It's a big day. I've got some things that I want to share today. Instruction Thursday. I want to talk about Ricky Fowler here to start with, and then uh, I'm going to share with you uh, after um, the discussion here with Ricky Fowler, I'm going to share with you uh, video eight from my program, Operation Baby Draw, and I'll get to why that is here in a second. But video eight is one of the most important videos in any training program that I do, and I'll explain why uh, when we get to it. I'm going to share the whole video. It's about six minutes, and it's a super important video. Before we get to that, though, um, I want to talk about Ricky Fowler, who just made the announcement that uh, he's going to be leaving his coach, John Tillery, who I believe they've been together for about three years, and his longtime caddy. It's caddy who's been with them from day one. They are um, going to make the split as well. Ricky starting over here with his team. And as I was reading that, I wasn't, um, I wasn't surprised so much from the, from the coach's perspective, but I was surprised uh, from the caddy's perspective. Ricky, of course, um, has been a very significant name and, and person in the game of golf for many years. Uh, five-time winner on the PGA Tour, won the Players' Championship, but over the last two to three years, uh, Ricky has become relatively insignificant on the golf course. He, he's always going to be very significant off the course. You know, Ricky Fowler, you could say, in, is in the top five as, as far as influential people off the golf course as it pertains to the game of golf with his appeal to the younger generation and his relationship with Cobra Puma. Uh, he's a very popular figure. And he maximizes that, you know, he, he really 
and I don't think anybody probably has more commercials or more sponsors. And, you know, you look at his social post and, or his social platform and all the posts that he makes with all of the partners that he has and good for him. You know, he, he maximizes that. He certainly has earned that right to do all those things. But on the course, Ricky has, he struggled, you know, his, his game has really went downhill. And, and when you start looking at kind of the reasons why that is, you know, you really don't ever know completely why, unless you're in that inner circle and you understand Ricky Fowler and what he's doing every day, all day, you know, where's the commitment and the time that he's put in. I think that was called into question some when he worked with Butch Harmon during that run of his best golf and his best golf was very high level golf. He never won a major championship, but he was right there multiple times, multiple runner up finishes. There was a stretch. Ricky Fowler was um, on the first page of the leaderboard. It seemed every significant tournament. Now he didn't get to put him away. He did win the players championship. He did win five times, but it does feel to some degree as if Ricky has kind of underachieved on the golf course. And I think Butch kind of put it into question a little bit with Ricky and, and, and how hard he was working and how important it was to him to be a world-class player, a major championship winner. I can remember the quote that he made. Do you, do you want to be that person or do you want to be a Kardashian? And, you know, those are tough words probably for Ricky to hear. Nonetheless, his run with Butch Harmon was his best golf, as it is for many players. Um, but he left Butch. And, and I think the reason why he left Butch is was because Butch didn't want to travel the tour anymore. And Ricky decided to, to make the change to have someone that was going to be out there. He hired John Tillery, who I've known for a long time. John is a, is a top-shelf coach, top-shelf citizen. Love John. Got to spend some time with them up at uh, Hilton Head um, for the show called The Cut, um, which I'll be doing again this fall, airs on Golf Channel. And we walked the fairways with Sepp Straka, who he coaches. And Sepp's had a wonderful year, made it all the way to Atlanta, worked with Kevin Kisner for years, of course. Kevin, um, you know, multi-winner on the PGA Tour, uh, just got picked in the final spot over Tom Hoagie. I don't know about that, but anyway, Kisner gets the spot. He'll be at Quail Hollow. Uh, and he also works with Hudson Swafford, who's won. So a lot of success. He takes on Ricky and I get John on the podcast and you should go back and listen to it. It's, it's, you know, about a year and a, two years back, somewhere in there. I get him on after they've been working for a while. And, and uh, he starts talking about some of the changes that, that they're going to make. And I was thinking to myself, like, wow, these are, these are some wholesale changes. And I started thinking to myself, you know, why is Ricky going down this path of wanting to make these wholesale changes? I kind of got the impression that it wasn't so much what John wanted to do completely, but more maybe what Ricky was looking to do and achieve. I don't know that for certain, but the changes nonetheless were significant. I mean, significant. Ricky's always been a player who gets the club shaft a little laid off at the top. 
you look at him at the top, the club points well to the left. From there, he would steepen the shaft and transition. From there, you would have to get a little bit of the high handle. His spine would kind of hang back a little bit so he could release it a bit down the line. That's kind of a pattern that you see from time to time, um, a pattern that you don't teach. I can't ever think of a teacher teaching that pattern. A pattern that says, hey, lay it off, then steepen it, then raise the handle at impact. Like that's not one that you're going to teach much. And if you do, you're probably going to go broke. As I am right now putting the studio together anyway. So there's that pattern. And Ricky perfected the idiosyncrasies in that pattern, developed a ton of skill. The geniuses in there, big time player at Oklahoma State, comes into the PGA Tour, big time player. PXG has done it again with the launch of a new lineup of drivers, fairways, hybrids, and irons. The new Gen 5 golf clubs deliver significantly increased MOI, faster ball speeds, longer distances, and tighter dispersions, all coupled with the exceptional feel and sound golfers have come to expect from PXG. Schedule your custom fitting or buy online at pxg.com. So now... As I understand it, now we're trying to get the shaft a little more down the line, a little more across the line, probably as it feels. Now it's going to shallow a little in transition. Now that's going to suggest a different type of rotation through impact, et cetera, et cetera. Everything changes. It's like a whole new pattern. It's a whole new engine, a whole new car. And I'm thinking to myself, my God, why? Why would Ricky want to go down that path and make those changes? See, to me... When I look at this, I put the responsibility on the player. Now, I think the teacher has to have some responsibility too. And as a teacher, it's tough because you, you go into these relationships and, and oftentimes you have, a, you have a plan, right? Like you know what you want to do. But what happens also is that is, is the player has a plan too. And they push back and oftentimes things can be adjusted. When you have the success that a Butch Harmon and others have had, it's easier to go in and say, Hey, it's my way or the highway. <laughs> when you don't, you're, you're probably more likely to compromise a little bit. And I'm not saying that's what happened, but I'm just saying that um, in, in many ways, that is the case. Now I've had some experience working with some players like um, PGA tour players, champions tour players over the years, not as much lately. That's not my, that's not my business model. I'm not interested in traveling around with, PGA tour players and living my life through two or three guys. I mean, it's, there's a lot of upside to that. It's fun, but at the same time, like I, I don't know, I, I'm kind of wired differently. So it's, it's not for me. I have so much respect for these, these guys that do it though. Like a John Tillery who's out there week in week out 12, 14 hours a day grinding with these guys on the course, reading the texts, phone calls, emails, agents, wives, caddies. I mean, it's, it's a lot folks. It is a lot. So these changes, I, you know, I, I put the responsibility on the player. The player is the president. The player is the CEO. Why is Ricky Fowler trying to make these changes? Why are you taking a pattern that you've been super successful with and now trying to change that pattern completely. And it's not just the club, it's the body. And what happened also with the body is, you know, Ricky would kind of 
historically kind of spin, you know, he would kind of turn sometimes like when you kind of get the club laid off, you don't make that full turn and load into the trail side. He would kind of spin a little bit, maybe kind of hang a little. And then from there, you know, his body would do its thing to adjust and, and accommodate what the shaft was doing. And I think what happened there, you know, with the club and the body, and they were kind of trying to, I think, address the, the, both of them at the same time. I think they kind of just ditched the club and then went just to the body. And he's kind of loading into the trail side more and then back on top of it rather than maybe spinning, hanging, and then, you know, and then kind of backing up. These are the things that I'm seeing. These are the things that I'm getting secondhand. But nonetheless, this whole process, it's just a complete overhaul in my opinion. And I just, I I just don't understand it. I don't understand where Ricky Fowler is thinking that's a good idea. And in my opinion, Ricky didn't protect the genius that he has within protect the genius of Ricky Fowler, protect the genius of Jordan Spieth, protect the genius of any player that you work with that caliber. They're not there because of technique. They're not there because of technique. Technique has something to do with it. But the last time I checked, there's a ton of different patterns out there. So, why just make the wholesale change? I, I just think there's some things you can't touch. And, and I just think how that shaft is up there at the top and then the way it pitches in transition, when you change that dynamic at that stage in one's career, you're playing with fire. You're playing with fire. And Ricky played with fire. And it bit him. And it bit him. All the way to the point that you see him just a few weeks ago, he's out there, he's got all these contraptions on, his arms are tight. I mean, it's just like, my God, he's lost it. And he's just trying now to put the pieces back together to be some kind of resemblance of himself. He didn't protect the genius. There's so many examples of this, and it's just, it, it's, uh, it's, man, it's frustrating. It, it really is. You've seen Jordan Spieth go through this. Now, Jordan's come out on the other end of this, and he's kind of put some pieces together, and we're seeing some resemblance of what Jordan Spieth used to be, but not on a consistent basis. Jordan Spieth's a genius. He's much more of a genius than Ricky Fowler, at least in playing the game and getting the ball in the hole. Um, but he has come out. He's a little bit longer now off the tee, or a lot longer off the tee, and he's, you know, we've seen, we see bits and pieces of Jordan Spieth at times, but nothing really sustained like we saw there for many, many years, like we saw with Ricky Fowler for many, many years. So Ricky Fowler now goes down this path. Rumor has it, he might go back to Butch Harmon and to see if he can get back to tapping into just some of the genius that was Ricky Fowler. Is it still in there? Is it still lit? We'll have to see. It's going to be hard to, to capture and find again. Now he's married. He's got a kid. Man, it's just, it's frustrating. We all make mistakes in life. You know, I've made mistakes in my career, but man, I I saw this one coming from a mile away. I saw this one coming from a mile away, changing that pattern. Oh, it's a, it's just a tough one. So as I, as I transition here, um, I, I think how this applies to, to you and your game, you know, when you, when you see the best players in the world and, and you see the changes and you see the coaches and all them out there. I mean, these things that they are working on so often is just incremental things, right? I've heard 
many top coaches, including Butch Harmon say, look, you're just trying not to screw them up, <laughs> right? You're just trying not to screw them up. And if you teach long enough, you screw some people up, right? I've screwed some people up. I didn't help some people. John probably feels like he didn't help Ricky Fowler. He's a great guy. I mean, like this is no shot at John Tiller. I mean, this is just, this is the reality of teaching. Like you just can't win them all. And frankly, he was, I don't know. Uh, that's just one swing that I wouldn't, I wouldn't want. I, I don't, I, I just wouldn't want it to be able to, to, to get in there and why, and try to rework that. I, I just would not want that job. A lot of things have to go right there. So the reality is, is, is these situations of sometimes they're not fair and you get into them and, 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 and teachers are going to fail at times. They're going to, they take a step back if they're honest. Like, I didn't help that person. I've been there. Um, and then, but if you're, you know, if you're good at your craft, you're helping way more than the ones that you're screwing up. <laughs> so, but the reality is, is that at that level, those tour players, they're the president, they're the CEO. Like you, you have to protect your genius. You have to protect your enterprise. You have to protect what got you out there. And Ricky Fowler um, didn't do that. And so when you work with these players, you're, you're trying to, yes, develop, you're, you're trying to, to not screw them up. You're trying to protect the genius. You're trying to create that environment for them to be instinctive and let that genius come out. And those changes technically can be very, very small. You can take one or two things and try to get those one or two little things to flourish, right? And, and, and then create that environment for them to believe and go out and play and keep them away from some of the habits that they might get into that lead to some of the misses or lead to some of the pain in their body. There's a lot of things to consider, but the changes can't be wholesale more times. I mean, 99% of they can't be wholesale. Now, as you have less skill, right? And you get into amateur golf and you have less skill and your technique's not as good. Well, that ceiling is not as high, right? I mean, it's just not as high. You don't have the time to go out there and develop all this and go through all these experiences and grind and dig it out of the dirt. So it makes sense from that standpoint, when you have less skill to get into more technique and try to, to develop a pattern, an improved pattern, full swing short game that improves the probability of impact. And that's what I, that's what I tell people. And I think that's where I've been very successful in my career is to be able to look at people's swings and give them great information, put it in the right order and create an environment that's going to improve the probability of your impact position. So you can hit the shots that you want to hit. You don't hit the miss as much. Your good shots are better. Your bad shots are not as bad. Your dispersion comes in. Now you start developing more skill. And we can fit that into our life. We can fit that into our livelihood. So that's, you know, kind of the difference, right? And so much of this podcast, of course, we, we talk about professional golfers, but how does that apply to me, as an amateur, as a 15 handicap, as a seven handicap, as you listen to this, and I have a lot of teachers that listen to this as well. And for those teachers out there, you know, this is part of the game, right? I mean, this is, if, if, if your goal is to work with PGA Tour and LPGA Tour players, well, you have to put yourself in that environment 
and you have to get out there and learn for, you know, how these players tick, understanding your student, of course, but you have to try to do the things that you want to do and not screw them up and help them protect the genius that's within. And that's a very difficult task, sometimes way more difficult than others. When you're working with amateur golfers, it's different, right? When you're working with amateur golfers, I think you can use those examples that we, that we see and that we've lived with professional golfers, but that conversation and that game plan and that student that you're dealing with is very, very different. They have a full-time job. They have a family. Um, they have to go take their kids to baseball practice. They have to get milk on the way home. Golf is like a very small percent of what they actually do. So the way you teach and you communicate and you create that plan, technique's probably going to be a little bit more part of that so they can improve the probability of impact and they can develop more skill. So it's different. And with that note, what I want to do here today, I want to finish the podcast with video eight of Operation Baby Draw. And the reason I'm going to show you this video is because this video is going to talk about how to shallow the club shaft out. And I want you to shallow the club shaft out, not with the club laid off at the top. There's a few things that are like fingernails on the chalkboard for me. That's one of them. I, I, I don't like laid off club shafts. I don't. I heard someone say, I think it was on the live telecast. I can't remember. They said, I'd rather have the club laid off than across the line. I wouldn't. No siree. No siree. You get that club shaft laid off. Now you're probably going to steepen it in transition. And actually, let me take a step back. You get the club shaft laid off. You've probably not made uh, your full turn as full of turn as you're capable of. And then the shaft's going to want to steepen in transition. I mean, no thanks. Now, I'd rather have a little more down the line and on plane, but, but, but if I had to, you know, pick generally speaking, I would probably take a little more across the line. There's way more better players across the line than there are laid off. Way more. Get a little more across the line. Now the shaft wants to kick back behind you and transition shallow, then off you go. So there you go. Um, so don't have it laid off at the top. Make sure the club face is, is square to slightly closed. And then shallow it out. I'm going to show you a really good exercise. Yesterday I had six lessons. I gave this lesson two of the six times, this same drill I'm going to show you in Operation Baby Drop. If you're really interested in learning how to develop a pattern that's going to create more of a baby draw bias, you need to get the entire program. Operation Baby Draw. It's 17 bucks. <laughs> 10 videos in order do it at home then take it to the course one step at a time but this is an important video it's one that when i get to my online lessons or in-person lessons we get to this point where the club face is good the swing shape is good the pivot is good okay if it's not shallowing out already which oftentimes it does then let's go. I'll show you how to do it. I'm going to show you a really good draw on how to do it. Enjoy this video. You get the whole video, video eight, Operation Baby Draw. Damn it, Ricky. I'm frustrated with you, but I hope you get back on track. I hope you 
put the pieces back together. Don't watch this video, by the way. Don't watch this video, Ricky. Do your thing. Go back, get the, just get the club where it is and just start putting the pieces back together to hitting some shots and tapping back into some of that internal genius that got you where you were in the first place. Don't play golf swing. You don't need to. So Butch hopefully can uh, make that happen. If he takes him back, who knows? Who knows? I want to get Butch Harmon on the podcast. He hasn't agreed to it yet, though. He does a son, Claude's. He's not going to come on this one, right? I'd give him some tough questions to think about. Anyway, that's that for a day Thursday. Have a great week, everybody. Um, really appreciate you being here. Thank you to my sponsors, About Golf Simulators, PXG, Glenn Finch. Give me having a little bit of this probably this week. Anyway, and Haymaker Coffee. I'm already, I'm already two and a half cups in. Thank you so much, my sponsors. Thank you so much for being here. Stripe Show Podcast. We're flying. Subscribe. Leave us a comment. Operation Baby Draw Video 8 coming at you. Glenn Fittich, the world's most awarded single malt scotch whiskey, is expertly crafted and made with extraordinary care. Each single malt is a work of perfection. Video number seven, shallow it out. Now, if you follow me, this is something that I talk about a lot and something that certainly applies now in the context of this training. And the reality is, is this club's probably already, when you look from the target line here, it's already probably wanting to do some of this. It's, it's wanting to come back in here, swing a little bit more from in here, and try to start the ball a little bit more to the right. We're already trying to get the path working more out that way because we've already got things so structured, and some of you are probably tired of pulling it. So you've already instinctively said, well, I'm just going to go ahead and sling it out there. And all of a sudden, there's a push trot. Let's give that a little more context. I've set another club down here just to the inside. You can see it pointing, coming from the inside here towards the golf ball. We're going to use that as a good little checkpoint. Shallowing it out basically means from the top of the swing that we want the shaft to kind of pitch back this way. And the shaft to kind of pitch back closer to horizontal in transition rather than steepen, which would mean now it's going towards vertical in transition, okay? We really want to avoid that at all costs, this. We want more of this, okay? Now, that doesn't mean, as we just kind of put the bow in the backswing here, it doesn't mean that you're really trying to get this thing horizontal and laid off to the top. Now, some of you may need to feel a little bit of that, I'm not a big fan here of, of the shaft laying off at the top because in transition, it probably does want to steepen. I am kind of a fan of what we talked about here, the shaft being kind of in this structure here, you know, maybe 45 degrees towards 90 slightly. Okay, somewhere here. We don't, we don't want it like this, but we certainly don't want it like this either. Okay, but it's in this position where now we can kind of work back underneath it. And what I found is that when this is good, when this is good here, and we get that turn good, the right hip working up, left knees coming across, we're on this inclination, you know, things start to really get pretty organized in here. And now we can shallow and we can work back underneath it. It's gonna shallow down a little bit. And that's where this comes in. A great checkpoint for this shaft to come down and feel like it's matched up to it. 
where that club head is a little bit back behind the hand. So when we turn to hit it, we hit it from the inside. Flexion in the lead wrist is a big one. Feeling the lead wrist with some flexion. This is something you see most good players do. This flexion, this way. Okay, I always sometimes get people to feel the back of the left hand kind of curls and works towards that camera. It's working away from me. Extension, we're gonna stay away from that. I don't want you pulling down on this handle. Okay, you pull down on it, you can see that shaft wants to get in line with it. It wants to steepen it. And when you pull down, it's an extension. Okay, so flexion again from face on is, is kind of this effect, back of the left hand curling away from me, extension, now it's cupped and looking back at me. Okay, I don't want it looking at me. I want it curling away from me, flexing. You can see that club face when I do that. Look at that club face, it's looking kind of back towards the camera. When I extend, it disappears. Okay, that's key, that is huge in what that left hand is doing. Give me some flexion, and maybe even give me a little bit of external rotation, a little pinch in the elbow, right? You can see that right elbow kind of pinching a little inward. Yes, the elbow comes down, but external rotation gives me a little bit of this, a little bit of elbow going this way, internal would be this way. Well, I'm not a big fan at the top, like really trying to you know, pinch and extra, externally rotate at the top. Eh? That can have some value, for some, but if you get too much this way, then you don't really have any coming down, right? You're already kind of maxed out. So I tend to like the elbow just kind of float a little bit, but then give me a little bit of, of that coming down, a little external, and then a little flexion in the lead wrist. And now all of a sudden, this shaft is starting to pitch back. See that? It's starting to pitch back early, early in transition. That's where we want it to be. So go up there, get yourself turned, get that face prepared. Let's get it pitched back. And as we pitch it back, look at the club face looking towards the camera and then bring it down and match it up to that shaft that's on that angle. Parallel, right elbow bent, right wrist bent, left wrist kind of flex knuckles down and that toe again kind of curled down. Okay, don't get it this way. Don't get it this way. Look at that extension. Look at that knuckle. Those knuckles looking at me. Now they're looking down. Okay, man, you have got, you have got a great chance from there. I mean, the probability of impact has improved considerably at that point. This is a key move. If you are following along with me right now and you feel like, yeah, I got this. Yep, I've got this. And I'm gonna work this at home. I'm gonna feel some flexion. I'm gonna feel some external rotation in the right shoulder. And I'm gonna feel that club pitched back. I'm gonna feel that club face looking towards that camera. And I'm gonna feel that stop right there at delivery. Right elbow bent out in front of the hip, right wrist bent, left wrist flex curling down, and that toe curled in. You're in a good spot. You are in a good spot. Now I wanna to go to the next video now to give you a little more context on how the body initiates, supports to help you get into that perfect delivery position.